0: You can do that through becoming a part of this community on Instagram, my website, bestyoucanbe.com, or by subscribing and leaving helpful comments. Uh, Jerry Roisentool has been in the network marketing industry for 26 years. He's a certified coach, speaker, and trainer with the John Maxwell team. And in 2011, he founded Coaching for Champions. I will attach the link for it, but it's championmentorship.com. I'll put that in the show notes of this episode so you can check it out. And this is where he channels his gift for coaching and motivating people to pursue their dreams in group and one-on-one settings he has taken this the skill set of his globally to train on all things mindset leadership and everything in between and jerry's background has hardships that have really blessed his clients with a very unique empathy and i think what i appreciate the most about coach jerry roisentool is the humility that he brings. He brings a certain level of humility to linking arms with individuals that truly inspires. Uh, And he and his wife, Gina, they're an incredible partnership, not just in life, but also in this incredible business that they run and, and the way in which they serve others. I am so honored that he gets to share some of his passion and expertise with us today. Welcome to the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast. I just have to tell you that I so appreciate you taking the time to share your experience, your wisdom, um, all of your tools with us and, and just everything. I'm very excited and thankful.
1: Thank you, my friend. Well, no, I, the only thing I can say is that I, I think what you're doing is so incredibly needed right now. And uh, especially having a female's voice and a a different perspective out there. And uh, so when you asked me to do this, there was uh, not even a question I wanted to be involved in uh, helping you uh, get this out there and and really being a blessing to people.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Before I ask you the actual questions, I have an icebreaker, Um, kind of just like a silly question. I want to know what is a highlight or a peak? or something that brings a smile to your face from your past week.
1: Oh man, <laughs> you, can, you can tell ladies and gentlemen, she didn't tell me this in advance because I would have had an answer. Um, a highlight uh, of my last week was um, probably just getting to spend an incredible amount of quality time with my 17 year old son. And um, he's going to be starting uh his senior year of high school, September third, uh, doing a little bit of on-campus and distance learning, and any time a seventeen-year-old kid wants to spend time with his dad, that's a good thing. And so, just spending that quality time with him, watching basketball, just enjoying that time because it's you know it's it, it's so fleeting. It just goes so quickly. Uh, that was probably the highlight of my week.
0: That is so so good. I really like that that kind of ties into, I guess, our first question, the the issue of time, not the issue, but this, the concept of time. And I wanted to ask you for your daily routine and your must do's, what are some daily bookends for you? Um, maybe one in the morning, one in the evening or, or things that you would just generally recommend on a daily basis to kind of like get your day started off on the right foot.
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, and it's different for everybody. Uh, for me personally, uh, if I were to really think about, you know, what are the bookends of my day, usually the morning I, I have to wake up and spend quiet time uh, with God in prayer. That, that's just something that fuels me. Uh, I spend the morning uh, in gratitude. And I think that that is such an overlooked thing in the world and the economy that we're in right now is that no matter what challenges we're dealing with in our lives, there's always something that we can be grateful for. And I find that when you focus your heart and your mind and your spirit on gratitude, it's amazing what things will be attracted into your life because of that. So I guess my, my morning bookend that's an absolute essential is I have to get up and spend about 30 minutes of quiet time Um, you know, reading, praying, spending time with God, and just really focusing on all the things that I'm grateful for, because it then gets my mind in the right place to uh, go after the day. And then at the end of the day, I guess my last bookend is always analyzing my day, trying to find out what are the things that I did really well, what are the things that um, I didn't do well, and what are the things that I could change and be better at tomorrow. And so I always analyze and review my day, and then I always pre-plan what I'm going to do the next day, the night before. I think one of the challenges that people have with stress and anxiety is is one day bleeds into another day, and you just get up, and you're just going at it, and you're trying to figure out as you're going, well, what am I supposed to do? Did I make that call? Did I follow up that person? Did I do this? And your mind's going crazy. I don't have the energy for that. So at the end of every day, not only do I look at my day and say, what did I do right? What did I not do right? What do I need to change to get better tomorrow? I then say, what are the things I need to do tomorrow? And I pre-plan it in advance. So when I get up the next day, I don't need to be worried about what to do. I already have a list. I already know the calls I'm going to make, the numbers, the texts I need to follow up on the emails. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And what it allows me to do is allows me to be in the moment of work instead of being all stressed out and going crazy throughout the day trying to figure out everything. So I'd say those would probably be my essential morning and evening bookends that I do pretty much every day of my life.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I think it seems like they really just kind of like feed off one another too because if you are able to get things off your brain before you go to sleep, you get better sleep and then you're able to really just focus on your quiet time. But I even catch myself, just my alarm is on my phone. So the first thing I see when I turn my alarm off when I wake up is, you know, those little pings that have popped up. And it's, it's <laughs> definitely a hard thing to, to be intentional about. That's, that's really awesome. Um, my next question is actually using a quote that you have said. Uh, you've said oh. before, are you mastering your mindset or is your mindset mastering you? And I was just wondering if you could break that quote down for us a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's uh, one of my signature quotes uh, because I'm a, you know, mindset and leadership development coach, and I'm always working with people on their mindset and their leadership. And that has just kind of been the essence uh, of my life is, are you mastering your mindset or is your mindset mastering you? Because our mindset guides the direction of our life, what we think, what we speak, what we focus on is what guides our life. And, uh, you know, I hear people tell me all the time, you know, Jerry, I just can't control what I think about. And and I tell people all the time that is the farthest thing from the truth. And what I explain to people is that there was a study that was done, I believe it was by UCLA, that showed the average person on on a daily basis has about 70,000 thoughts that come to their mind. 70,000 a day and 90% of them are negative. So that's always very encouraging, right? And so when my son was eight years old, I wanted to teach him the concept of this quote. And so I had to do it in a way that an eight-year-old can understand it. And I said to him, I said, Josh, let me ask you a question. Let's say dad was in the shower, and somebody came to the door. They knocked on the door, and you asked who was there. And the person said, I'm a burglar, open the door, I'm coming in to rob your house. Would you let the burglar in? And Josh said, well, of course not, Dad. And I'm like, oh, that guy taught him well. I said, right, you wouldn't let him in. And I said, because Josh, you and I have no control over who comes to our door and asks to be let in. But we have total control over who we open the door to and let in our house. And that's the essence of that quote. We can't control all the thoughts that come to our mind every single day, there's too many, but we can control which thoughts we open the door of our mind to and let in. We choose what we focus on. And I learned this the hard way, because you know, 16 years ago, I was laying on the floor of my apartment, writing my son a note who was three years old as I was getting ready to take my own life. I lost my business at the time. I lost my marriage at the time. I was in massive depression and I found myself on the floor getting ready to take my life. And I realized that my mindset had mastered me, that every negative thought that came into my mind, I just focused on it. I fed on it. So when you have negative things, negative thoughts coming into your mind, and you're focusing on it and you're feeding on it, and you're thinking of it, and you're speaking of it, your mind is mastering you. But when you have all these negative thoughts to come into your mind, and you know how to get past them, you know how to push them away, you know how to shift your focus and how to focus on things that you want, not things you don't want, you begin the process of learning how to master your mindset. It's not that we're going to be immune to negative thoughts, because it happens to all of us but it's how you handle those negative thoughts that will determine whether your mind masters you or whether you end up mastering your own mindset.
0: Thank you for being so open and, and transparent, but that was what I was talking about in the introduction saying how you have some hardships that have given you as a coach and as a leader, just ability to empathize and relate on so many different things. Um, And with mindset being something that we can master. I was wondering, of course, this is a loaded question, but I was wondering if you could give us some tangible steps that we can take to strengthen our mindset and and maybe where practice fits into something that big.
1: Wow. You do ask some loaded questions. Brigitte. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah. So some tangible steps and, and things that I actually did. I can only teach from my own experience of, of what I did, but, but, when I got through that period of time in my life, the the first tangible step that I probably utilized that helped me the most was realizing I cannot control every thought, but I control what I choose to focus on. And that's something that all of us have control. Like somebody says to me, you know, well, Jerry, I'm, I'm just frustrated. And I said, well, you're choosing to be frustrated, it's a choice. Well, and well, I, I can't, I can't not be frustrated with this situation. No, once again, you're choosing to be frustrated because situations happen to all of us, and we have the ability to decide how are we going to respond to this, how are we going to react to this. You know, um, there was a great quote that said, 10 percent of uh, life is what happens to you, and ninety percent of life is how you react to it or how you respond to it." And I think the first step in really learning this process of mastering your mind is realizing that you have control over how you react and respond to anything that happens in your life. I'll give you a prime example real quick. You and I, Brigida, we're driving down the road on the freeway. We're both in separate cars. We're going to work. Okay. We're, we're, we might be late, so we're kind of going, you know, a little bit faster than we should. And both our tires blow out at the same time. And we both pull over to the side of the freeway. You're in front of me. So I get out of the car and I'm all upset. I'm, I'm, you know, cussing up a storm, kicking my car, kicking my tire. How could this happen? I'm going to be late to work. What's going on? Right? That was my response to that situation. You had the same thing happen to you. You got out of the car and said, thank you, Lord, that I didn't injure anybody. Thank you that I was able to get across to the other side of the road. Thank you for keeping me safe. Let me call my boss, let him know what happened. I'll call AAA, we'll get this taken care of. Same exact situation. Two completely different responses because we control how we react the things that happen in our life. And that's how you begin the process of learning how to master your mindset. I always ask people this question, did you, did you have a bad day or did you have a bad 10 minutes that you stretched out for the entire day? That's the difference between how you can begin the process of really learning how to master your mindset. Master your response to things, because that's the one thing we can control.
0: That's really good. I really like that example, too, of the two cars. I'm glad you made me the calm one. You have also talked a lot in your work about limiting beliefs that we create in our mind, which I think you were kind of touching on a little bit. Um, And you've talked about how our limiting beliefs can limit our leadership if we don't know how to break through them. So I was wondering if you could kind of share with us, how do we identify, overcome, and prevent the damage that limiting beliefs can have on our leadership? Because, I mean, our listeners, like we are trying to just become the best versions of ourselves and whatever whatever that role is, kind of to repeat, because I rambled a little bit, how do we identify, overcome, and prevent the damage of limiting beliefs that, that can have on our leadership?
1: And how long do we have, Uh. Brigitte? Okay, I'll give you the short version of a very, very, very long training that I do on limiting beliefs. Um, First of all, everybody has them, whether they know it or not. And our limiting beliefs are things that have generally been created in our mind uh, by things from our past that we just hang on to and do not let go. So first of all, what is a limiting belief? Okay, my definition of a limiting belief is this. It is a belief that we've created in our mind that we think, speak, and focus on. And we reinforce that thought by thinking, speaking, and focusing on it. And it limits us from taking action and being all that we can be. That's what a limiting belief is. We all have them people think that successful people don't have limiting beliefs that is absolutely 100 percent untrue successful people have limiting beliefs just like uh struggling people do the difference is a struggling person with a limiting belief is always focused on their lack and limitation a successful person with the limiting belief is always focused on their possibilities and their opportunities once again it's a shift of mindset so A limiting belief will keep us stuck in a rut, and the only way that we can get out of that is we have to start creating an empowering belief. And what is an empowering belief? It's pretty much the same definition with a little tweak. It's a a belief that we've created in our own mind that we reinforce by thinking, speaking, and focusing on it, but this belief empowers and inspires us to move forward towards the goals that we've set. And think of it this way. Limiting beliefs that we've created over the course of our life are like a giant boulder that's in front of us. And when you see a giant boulder in front of you, what do you do? You, you, you try to push it and you're like, I can't even move this thing. I don't even know how to get this thing away from me. Well, that's what happens as we create limiting beliefs over time. They roll themselves into this giant boulder that's in front of us. And the only way that you can break through a limiting belief is very simple. The only way you break through a big boulder, you got to take a chisel and and, and take a hammer or take a sledgehammer and start hitting that thing against that boulder. And what happens is the more you hit it, the more pressure you put on it. After time, the pressure you put on the boulder will start to get cracks in the boulder. After time, some of the boulder might start breaking off and after time, enough pressure will break that boulder in half. So I always tell people my job as a coach is I'm going to give you the chisel and I'm going to give you the hammer, and I'm going to teach you how to do it, but you've got to be willing to do it. So let me give you a prime example, just one example. I'm not a great leader. I hear this all the time. I'm not a great leader, can't get people to follow me. Nobody seems to listen to my direction. So think about this. If we are thinking, speaking, focusing on the belief that I am not a great leader, then it's going to limit our ability to lead people. Because what you speak, your mind will guide you and direct you to the things that will prove those things to be true, whether they're positive or negative. So if you're constantly thinking I'm not a great leader, I don't know how to lead, people don't follow me, then you're going to wonder, well, how come every time I get in a position to lead people, nothing happens? Well, because your limiting belief that you've created in your mind has stopped you from doing the things you need to do because your mind's going to protect you, and so you may say to yourself, Brigitte, I'm not a great leader, I don't know how to lead, I don't know, you know, I'm just nobody ever follows me." And then you get into a place where you're about ready to be a leader, and your mind goes. Psst, uh, I don't mean to interrupt your meeting, but don't forget you're not a good leader. So just kind of back up a little bit and stay safe, right? And that's what our mind does. So the only way that you can change that is you first have to take a hammer to the chisel. The hammer is the empowering belief that you create, that you think, speak, and focus on Every time you do, it hits that chisel, which then puts pressure on that limiting belief and it starts to change it. So instead of you walking around with a limiting belief that says, I'm not a great leader, you create an empowering belief that says, every day I'm becoming a better, stronger, more confident leader. Now, when you say that, your mind's gonna fight you because your mind's gonna laugh and say, What are you talking about? You don't know how to lead. And you say, well, I don't even believe that. Doesn't matter if you believe it, the belief will come. What matters is your mind needs to hear there's a new direction. We're going to a new place. And every time you say every day, I'm becoming a better, confident, uh, a, a, a better, stronger, more confident leader, it's the hammer to the chisel. It's the pressure to the boulder. And as you start to confess that every day, sooner or later, the the limiting belief that you're not will be replaced with the empowering belief that you are and you'll start to manifest the results of that in your life and your business, but it starts with what we think, speak, and focus on. And that's a short version of a three or four hour training that I do on limiting beliefs, but it'll give people an example. So you can take any limiting belief that you have You know, I'm not a great leader was just one of them because this is a leadership podcast. But you can take any limiting belief that you have and say, how can I create an empowering belief to change my mental focus and to start hammering away and getting rid of that boulder that's holding me back? But that's a great place that your listeners can start from.
0: That is uh, a little bit funny that you just ended with that because my next question in the lineup was actually what is one thing that we can do today that will take us closer to our goals of you know becoming the best versions of ourselves and and developing ourselves as leaders but i think you just answered it it is uh i think first accepting the fact that it's a long journey a few episodes ago we we talked about how life is a continual journey of constant refinement. And I think that just knowing that it's going to take a while, that really takes the load off of your two uh, pretty small shoulders, but spending some time thinking about what we're saying to ourselves and at least being disciplined enough to speak the positive and, and speak what you just said, the empowering version of what can sometimes be some pretty uh, not so nice things we'll say to ourselves, I think is the, the right step. At least just today, right?
1: And, and yeah, you're right. And you know, and, and when you tie it in to everything we're talking about, right? When you allow your limiting beliefs to run what you do, your mind is mastering you. When you create empowering beliefs of what you want, where you want to be, what you want to do, and you start focusing on those things, now you're mastering your own mindset. And it all ties together that way. It's all about our choices of what we do. And so one of the exercises that I teach people is when I do this kind of mini workshop is I teach people, listen, write down five limiting beliefs that you think are holding you back from being all that you can be. And we all have five of them. If you really look deep, we all have five, you know, I, I'm a procrastinator. That's a limiting belief because now you're convincing yourself that you're always procrastinating. So it could be stuff like that. Write down five limiting beliefs and, and look at them and say, wow, look at these things that I've created in my own thinking that are preventing me from winning. And then create five empowering beliefs opposite of that. And then once you're done, take those five empowering beliefs and start speaking them as affirmations every day. Because the limiting beliefs focus you on where you are and what you really don't want. The empowering beliefs focus you on where you want to go and who you want to become. And as you start to speak those out of your mouth, hammer to the chisel, hitting that boulder, putting up pressure, breaking through that thing. That's the process of how you start breaking through those limiting beliefs.
0: Yep. I'm going to do that exercise as soon as we finish this.
1: Good. Powerful.
0: That's really, really good. So I wanted to ask you, what is just one quote that has repeatedly shown up in your life? Maybe one that um, Uh, you've previously had to really lean on or one that has just popped up in your mind repeatedly?
1: Well, you know, uh, there's tons of them, but there's one of them that really um, had an impact in my life. And that was something um, my dad told me. And, um, you know, I was very, very, very close with my father. We were best friends. And I, my dad passed away last October. And uh, I, when he passed away, this quote became more real to me than it had when he said it to me when I was a teenager working with him during the summer. And what my dad said to me that really, in my opinion, is how we should all live our lives, is he said, make the most out of every day that you're given because you never know how many more tomorrows you're going to get. And I have done my best to live my life as close to that as I can because all we have is today. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not even here yet. All we have is is today. The power that we have in our lives is in the present. It's not in the future. It's not in the past. It's in the right now. And so many times we get so bogged down by what's gonna, what do I need to do at the end of this week? What about next week? What about next month? How about six months from now? That we get so bogged down in that that we don't live in the moment. And it's not just about business, make the most out of every day that you're given to me always meant if this was your last day, how would you want to live it? And so every single day, I make it a point to text five people, friends of mine, people that I know, just something encouraging for no other reason than to lift their spirits. I've been doing this for a long, long time. Just five people every day to let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying about you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. I appreciate you. Because we always focus on ourselves. And yeah, we all have issues. But the greatest way to make your issues shrink is to focus on blessing somebody else. And so every day I find three to five people in my Rolodex, my Rolodex, that's old school, in my phone, and I just send them a text message. They don't know I'm sending it. I get people calling me back. You have no idea what that message meant to me. Oh my gosh, you brought me to tears. I always try to inspire and just encourage people every day. And I always try to tell people in my life that I love them every day. My wife, my son, people, my my mom, every single day, never let a day go by where I don't tell them how much I love them. Because once again, I don't know how many more tomorrows I'm going to get. And if today is my last day, I don't ever want it to leave without them knowing that I love them. And just little things like that, that I have done throughout my life. And when my dad passed away, I thought to myself, man, not only was that a quote, that's how he lived his life every day, even when he was in his last few days of life, he was still making the most of whatever he could that day because he didn't know if tomorrow was it or the next day was it. And that has impacted my life in so many ways. It keeps me grounded and focused that I've got to be the best that I can be today. Tomorrow will take care of itself tomorrow. But if I can be the best that I can be today, then that means it was a successful day. And that quote has dramatically impacted my life.
0: That's really good. Would you mind just repeating the quote in its entirety one more time?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Make the most out of every day that you're given because you never know how many more tomorrows you're gonna get. In fact, when I was running my first business, that was on my answering machine. You know, hi, this is Jerry. Sorry I missed your call. Please leave a message. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And always remember, Make the most out of every day that you're given because you never know how many more tomorrows you're going to get. And man, I had so many people, Birgitta, that would just say, oh my gosh, I loved your message. Oh, that was so encouraging. Oh, I needed to hear that. And I said, well, it's not a quote. It's how I live my life. And that was, and then I got from my dad.
0: Wow. Yeah, definitely worth repeating. And that's really good. What a blessing to whoever... Would call you and not reach you. I would almost probably prefer not to reach you, so I can hear <laughs> voicemail. Um, that's really really good. Uh, shifting a little bit to your role as a coach, as a mindset coach, and as a leader to to other people, I was wondering what is maybe not the most, but a most challenging thing that you face as you lead people through, obviously, as we're kind of learning from what you're showing right now, a really difficult process of growing their mindsets and growing their leadership. What's just something that you consider a challenge for you on the other side of that?
1: People's pain.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I am a very compassionate, empathetic person. Um, I have a heart for people. I I don't know why God created me this way, but and I know this might sound weird to say this, but I, I feel people's pain. When I watch TV shows or movies and people are crying about losing a loved one or something, I feel that pain inside of me as if it was me. And so I think the hardest thing of dealing with coaching is listening to the pains that people have inside of them, things that they've brought from their past challenges that have happened in their life and their belief that they're not worthy of being successful. They're not worthy of winning. They're not worthy of this. It's so hard for me to listen to people be in a place of their life where they feel I'm just not worthy. You know, I'm not deserving you know look at my past look at what i've done look at who who you know look at what happened and 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 hearing people's sincere pain of of how those experiences have affected their lives and and looking at themselves in the mirror now and saying i'm not worthy man that just that tears my heart out because i believe everyone deserves to be successful at whatever level they want. And that our, as Tony Robbins always says, our past does not equal our future. See, we're not victims of our past unless we allow our past to make us a victim. See, I have a past, you know, we all have a past. You know, my dad, as much as I loved him and as much as I was close to him, my dad was born and raised in in Argentina. And, And so they did things differently there than they do here in the States. And when I was a young kid, growing up seven, eight years old. And I would work with my dad in the garden. And he'd send me into his garage on his big wall of tools where he knew where everything was, and ask me to go find something that as a seven or eight year old, I'm looking around going, I don't know why I can't find this thing. And he would come in and just take it off the wall. And he'd say, you know, what are you an imbecile? What are you stupid? What can't you see in front of you? And I'd hear this over and over again. And so as I grew up, I started to believe that that's who I was. And I remember when I was in ninth grade, I had a teacher. We were doing a, you know, a ninth grade before we went to high school. And back in my day, high school started in 10th grade, not ninth grade. So end of middle school was ninth grade. And we were doing a what do you want to be when you grow up session. And I'll never forget this brigade as long as I live. The teacher asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I literally said to her, whatever a stupid imbecile is able to do. And I realized that I began to take ownership of what my dad had said to me. But then as I got into my early 20s, I realized that I'm I'm not the only way that I'm going to be who my dad said I was when he didn't really mean it. He just didn't understand. Was if I took ownership of that and said, well, that's just the way I am. Like people tell me that all the time. Well, that's just how I am. No, that's how you choose to be. Because if you really didn't want to be who you are, you would do the work to change it. I decided this is not who I am. I'm not an imbecile. I'm not stupid. God created me for something better than that. I'm smart, and I've got talents, and I've got gifts. And so I decided not to become a victim of my past, but to allow my past to be lessons that I learned to help make me stronger as I move forward. And so because of that experience that I walked through my own journey, it enables me to compassionately connect with people when they're in that place because I understand it because I've been there and be able to guide them and teach them things that help me to help get them out of that place and finally leave their past where it belongs, which is in the past. And so what was a challenge for me Little did I know would be part of what God brought me through to use to help other people get through the pains that they're going through so I can connect and relate to them. And so it helps a lot, but that has to be the hardest thing for me is walking people through that journey of I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving, because I know what it feels like to live there. I've been there before.
0: You've been in their shoes. So you, when you empathize, you really empathize, I guess, as opposed to sympathize. So that's... Hey, um, Brigitte,
1: that was an incredible thing you just said. There is a difference between empathize and sympathize.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is really yeah. powerful right there. You need to write that down and put that on your own wall. <laughs> I put that on my wall. Because sympathy is when you feel sorry for people and what they're going through. Empathize is when you go, I've been there, I understand. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole different level of coaching when you can empathize and not just sympathize. So that is really, really good. I had, I had to call out that because that was too good not to call out. That was really good.
0: Well, I, I mean, I think it's an important distinction to make because I also think that it's what a lot of people appreciate the most in you because even before you were at least in the the things that I've heard you train on and speak on, even before I heard just the transparency and openness with which you share your past experiences, and you say, "Hey, this is where I'm coming from." Um, that confirmed my like prior understanding that you are very empathetic in how you lead and coach. You you're able to bring that to the table, which I think it also it, I think it just helps people turn around. When they're in those valleys and in those pits, it gives you hope to think okay this is going to be used later on because this is what's going to give me empathy with another person as opposed to sympathy. Um, But thank you so much for sharing that story and I, I actually think it leads perfectly into Another question, I think a lot of times our professional and our personal lives overlap. And I think that a lot of heaviness from our personal lives can lead to negative mindsets that just drag us down in our professional lives. So there's just kind of like this overlapping. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts on marrying the two together or better balancing that because I I at least know women that I'm friends with or that I know of kind of struggle with that quote work-life balance. And and the, the joke is, is that there is no work-life balance. But I was wondering if you have any thoughts on just marrying the two together or better balancing that so that you don't have the negativity of your personal life seeping into your professional, or if you just have to control it. I don't know.
1: That's, uh, well, once again, that's like a loaded baked potato. That's a loaded question. Um, once again, personal experience. Uh, When I was going through a divorce with my son's mom, I still had a business to run. I still had meetings to do. I still had trainings to do. And anyone that's ever been through a divorce knows the mental challenge of dealing with that situation. But what I've learned from that experience is that leaders are not people who don't go through life challenges. We all deal with it leaders learn how to compartmentalize their life challenges to get done what they need to get done. They've got to to learn how to compartmentalize it. Because I believe if you have a miserable, frustrated, angry, bitter home life, how do you honestly expect to have a positive business? And so I do believe that the way we are at home can spill over into the way we are in our business And you've got to learn how to compartmentalize things. Uh, Just a visual example. When I was uh, going through, you know, my divorce, there was a lot of, you know, challenging things because my son's mom and I spent 10 years side by side building the business that we had. So I still had to run the meeting and do the stuff. And so I would remember, you know, getting into a fight, getting into an argument, getting into something always happened before I had to go do a meeting. And I know that my mindset was just whacked out of place. And if I got up there to do a meeting with the way I was feeling in the moment, people would have ran for the doors and fled, fled the office, right? It wouldn't have worked. And so what I had to do is I had to just remind myself, this was a great visual image for me. Maybe it will help somebody out there. I call it the compartmentalizing box. And what I would do is when I would drive into my office and I'd say, all right, Jerry, you got a job to do. You got to go get things done. You got people that are here to listen to you. You've got to go share what you have to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to take these emotions that we have, these feelings, this anger, this resentfulness, and we're going to put it into our compartmentalizing box and we're going to leave it there so that we can focus on doing what we need to do. And when we come back to our car, there they will be. Nobody's going to break into the car and steal it. It's not going to pick up and leave it's gonna be right where we left it. So when I'm done doing what I need to do, I'll come back, pick up what I need to deal with, and then I'll deal with it then. Was it easy? Not at all. It was a habit that I had to create, but I had to learn how to compartmentalize things. You look at athletes, Think about their lives. They go through challenges. They go through situations. They go through things. You know, this one's getting, uh, you know, this one's getting looked into by the police. And this one's got this thing on their, on their record and all this stuff. But when it comes to play time, when it comes to I got to put on the uniform and get on that field and play, they got to compartmentalize it. They can't bring it onto the field. They can't be thinking about it. They got to focus on that moment. And when they're done with that moment, they can go back and pick up the crap they need to deal with. And that has been something that has served me real well because I'm not a marriage counselor. I don't give marriage counseling advice to people. You need a marriage counselor, go seek one. But all I know is that if your marriage is in shambles at home, it can affect your business life unless you learn how to compartmentalize it while you need to do what needs to get done. Is it an easy thing to do? Not at all. It's like anything else. It takes practice and work, but I have learned how to compartmentalize the things that I need to compartmentalize when I have things that I have to get done and I don't want this spilling over to this. And then you just have to get yourself in that right mindset. And once again, it takes work, takes practice. I work with people in coaching on that, but that's to me, the way that you, you handle it is you got to learn how to say, okay, I, I've got to leave this here and I've got to focus on this. And then when I'm done, I can come back and deal with this if I need to. But I do believe that happy life, happy business, difficult life, difficult business. Okay. I, I do believe that they, they do overlap into one another and I've seen it before. So I don't know if that made any sense, but, but I hope that that helps somebody out there that, that might be dealing with this kind of thing.
0: That's really good. I just have one small question. Did you in your car have a literal box, like as a reminder?
1: <laughs> no, no. I had an fi- uh, imaginary box. It was just this visual image of if I had a box that I would put it there. In fact, I did that for the people coming into my office. And what I did was I had an actual box outside my front door.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I said to everybody, when you come in, before you come into this office, open the box and take all your garbage and leave it in there. Just, just a, a visual example. Leave it in there and come in prepared to work and to you know see people and this and that. And when you're done with the meeting, you go back to your box, your stuff will be waiting there. Nobody's gonna take your stuff home. So don't worry about it. Because the idea was don't bring your negative bad day into a positive office. Compartmentalize nice. it put it aside, do what you gotta do, and then you can go back and deal with what you have to deal with after. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I don't have time right now, but I've got all sorts of examples in my life that I can give you where I've done exactly that in so many different situations, but it's just something you have to work on.
0: Yeah, that's great while I was listening to you in the back of my mind, I was going through little empty boxes I know I have, and I've found one. So I'm gonna be the actual box person just because that's that's how I know that I'll create a habit out of that. But I really like that. Uh, Very last question. What is just one last bit of advice that you would like to leave the world of Best You Can Be listeners?
1: Um, Is to understand that your best days are not behind you. Your best days are in front of you. And realize that everything that has got you where you are today is part of the journey that's gonna develop you into who you need to be tomorrow. I never wanted to be in a place where I almost took my life. I never wanted to be in a place where I ended up getting divorced. I never wanted to be in a place where I ended up losing my first business because of all of that. I never wanted to be in a place where I was depressed. But God used all those things to be able to help me coach and lead and connect and empathize with people in what I do today. So when I look back, I wouldn't change any of that. And so many times we're, all, we're always holding on to our past and we're saying, well, this is just who I am. And my response to any of you that says that is that it's who you are because you choose not to change. Nobody said change was going to be easy. Nobody said there wouldn't be some challenges if you have to change, but you can choose to change. If I would have grown up believing what my dad said to me that I'm an imbecile and I'm stupid, I wouldn't be here right now. But I made the decision that I'm not gonna own my past. I'm gonna learn from, what I, learn, learn from it, but I'm going to create my future. And that's what I would tell your listeners right now. No matter where you are in life, no matter how young you are, how old you are, It really doesn't matter because you can decide in this moment today that the the change I want to make starts now. It doesn't matter what you failed at. It doesn't matter what hasn't worked. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. The moment you'd make a decision, today's the day I am implementing this change in my life is the moment that you start to turn the corner. You start to change directions and you start being guided down the path you need to become all that you can be. My my mission is to help people become the best version of themselves they can possibly be so they can design and live the best life they can possibly live. And that's my hope for each and every one of you listening to this message. And I just hope that this time together encouraged you, blessed you, and inspired you to really be the best that you can be. And Brigitte, I want to thank you for your incredible thought provoking questions. I mean, I've done a lot of podcasts. Your your thought that you put into the questions that you ask, that's a gift, my friend. And uh, that that makes me believe this is going to be a very successful journey for you. You're a great interviewer and a great host.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I, uh, I really appreciate your time. I cannot wait to listen to the recording of this and take notes for myself and get my compartmentalization box and just put, in, put into practice all the steps that you've given us today. So I thank you so much for your time. And no with that, we're just going to close how we close every single podcast, encouraging everyone to keep going, keep growing, and keep becoming the very best that you can be. Thank you.
1: Thanks, you guys.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast. If you're as excited as I am about diving into our potential and stepping into the very best versions of ourselves, then follow me on Instagram at bestyoucanbe and don't be afraid to send me a message. I'd love it. You can also visit bestyoucanbe.com and fill out a contact me form. I can't wait to meet you. In this episode, I've kind of stuck up my hand to introduce myself to you, but go ahead and do the same for me. Tell me who you are, what your story is, and what you would like to see most in lessons to apply to your leadership experiences. Until next episode, keep going, keep growing, and keep becoming the best you can be.